Welcome in to a new Buff Stampede Radio. I'm Adam Mustertiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com on the 24-7 Sports Network. And today I'm joined by a colleague, Matt Freem of Duck Territory on 24-7. Matt, you've been covering the, the Ducks for a long time. When, when did you get your start covering Oregon? Oh man. Uh my first year was first the first year of Chip Kelly, so 2009 and then I that's when I worked started working for duckterritory.com. Uh 2009 spring of 09. So uh what 14 years I think it's been. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the first game of the final Pac-12 yeah. season and uh I was on your podcast and we were Kind of talking about how this is a bummer, the fact that yeah. Oregon and, and Colorado aren't going to play again in the future. Uh, uh, this might be my last trip to Eugene. Um, how were Oregon fans just feeling about the move, upcoming move to the Big Ten and, you know, having the Pac-12 basically die? Um, I, I think there's – it's it, the Duck fan is probably a split personality right now. On, on one half, they are absolutely ecstatic that they are going to the big 10 um, that they are going to be playing against, you know, some of the, the best programs in the country, like Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state. Um, and then there's part of that fan base too. That's also really excited. The fact that their rival Oregon state doesn't get to go with them um, that, you know, the jab at them. But at the same time, I, I, I think if you asked every duck fan who was excited uh, about the move to the Big Ten, they would also then throw in the caveat. But yeah, I wish this never actually happened. I, I wish the league was still firm and and what it was three years ago when it was a whole twelve schools, all West Coast programs, um, the original schools of the of the twelve. Uh, there's something to be said that you know this is one of the most storied conferences in college athletics um, in multiple sports. Uh, and, and it, it, it just doesn't feel right. I mean, you and I both grew up with the PAC 10 and now the PAC 12 and just everything that comes with it. And it, it, all of a sudden in seven months, it's going to be just gone. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. And a lot of duck fans are pretty bummed about that. So there's the excitement of something new of surviving, um, realignment, but a big sadness of seeing you know, a long-standing history just go away. Yeah. I was thinking back to the last time these two matched up and was kind of chuckling. Uh, Kenny Dillingham, Dillingham had some uh, tricks up his sleeve in Boulder. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was 21 to nothing before you could blink. Uh, it was, uh, it got out of hand pretty early on. What, what do you remember about that game? Well, first of all, that game, uh, the wind was just absolutely wild um, in Boulder. The, the press box doors were blowing open because of how, how strong the wind yeah. was. I don't know if that's normal for you guys. That was, that took every, everyone back from the Oregon side of like, Holy smokes. It is windy here. Um, that was a surprise, but then, yeah, like Josh Connolly jr. Scored a touchdown in that game, uh, an offensive tackle who will start now for Oregon at left tackle. in this, this weekend's game, uh, I want to say Bo Nix caught a pass for a touchdown in that game as well. Uh, that game was just wild in, in a lot of different areas. Uh, Oregon looked really good. And yet at the same time, you walked away thinking like, how did Colorado get this bad? Like it, it, this yeah. isn't, this isn't normal. 
Um, and so it was just one of those wild and funky games that you, you kind of thought, well, maybe something crazy happens because it's on the road, it's in altitude, it's in cold weather, and maybe they're they're sleeping off, you know, Colorado looking ahead to the next week and uh, just never transpired. We didn't get a good game, which I am going to be surprised if we don't get a good game this weekend. Uh, it, it should be back and forth. Yeah, two programs that go into conference play undefeated at 3-0. and What do you feel like you learned about this Oregon team during non-conference play? They've improved in the trenches um, on both sides of the football. Defensively, that was a weakness for them. They only have six sacks, I think, on the year total right now. Um, but they played Portland State week one, who just basically refused to throw the football. So that that skewed things a little bit. They were, they only threw the ball 20 times in that game, but the pressures are up. The hurries are up. Um, they're on pace to, to pass their sack total of 18 last year, which is the lowest the program had um, in, I think, 30 years for Oregon. Uh, they're on pace to break that at the halfway point of the season. Uh, so the pass rush has improved. Uh, the, road, the, the depth of the defensive line has also improved. A big piece of that is getting Popo Amave back. Um, they're starting nose tackle. He flip, he shares that role with Taki Tiamani. Um, but Popo was supposed to be the guy who basically would collapse pockets last season. He got hurt during fall camp and never played it down. Uh, he's back. He's healthy. And he's as advertised. The addition of Jordan Birch has been helpful. And then they've got three true freshman defensive end edge rush type guys that are all playing. And uh, I, I think we in the media expected one or two of them to play you know, here and there, maybe one guy gets in in every game, but a good chance that two of those three would redshirt and all three of them are playing um, and they're playing a lot. So it's safe to say they've hit on those guys. So they're, they're, they're front seven at, you know, edge type pass rush guys have improved. Um, and then, you know, you think Oregon has kind of solved some of their secondary concerns that they had going in Christian Gonzalez was a first round draft pick familiar to Colorado fans. Um, so far through three weeks, they've looked really good. Um, they've played three teams who have talent at the receiver position have done pretty well. Uh, but we'll get a real good idea this week because I think this is going to be by far the best passing attack that they've faced by far the best receiving core that they've faced. Uh, so, so we'll get more answers on that one as well uh, this weekend. I mentioned Dillingham earlier. Obviously, he's now in Tempe leading the Sun, Sun Devils. So the new offensive coordinator steps in. What have been your impressions of Will Stein so far uh, coming over from UTSA? Yeah, pretty good. Um, this is a guy that Oregon hasn't missed a beat with Kenny Dillingham gone. The, their offense is, is just as prolific. They're averaging almost 60 points a game. Um, Bo Nix's completion percentage is, is through the roof. Uh, it's above 65% right now. Um, the run game is, is really good. They've got a three-headed attack with Bucky Irving, Noah Winnington, uh, and then Jordan James. Um, and and they they basically rotate these guys almost equally throughout the, you know the season uh, for throughout each game. Excuse me. Uh, and then the offensive line has has looked tremendous with a lot of questions around it because they lost four starters. And um, you, you look at the guys that are that are playing now, Jackson Powers Johnson at center. Uh, you got Stephen Jones at right guard, who's a returning starter, and then you've got Johnny Cornelius, who was a Rhode Island transfer at right tackle. 
Marcus Harper is your left guard. He played a little bit last year, started multiple games for the Ducks due to injuries. And then uh, I mentioned Josh Connolly. They they haven't missed a beat. Um, you wouldn't know that there's four new starters along the offensive line. They look really good. Bo Nix has only been sacked once this season. Uh, he's hardly had any kind of pressure on him. Uh, and then the run game has been tremendous. So uh, I, I think Oregon's offense is, is clicking at a high level. And this is what we expected from this Oregon team going in. A lot of the questions were defensively, just because you have your quarterback back, you have your top receiver back, you have your top three running backs back, you have your top tight end back. Uh, you, you had the pieces in place for this offense. Just They just needed time to gel. And once they did, they would be really, really good. And it happened week one, essentially. So um, Will Stein has done a really good job. Uh, it would not surprise me if a school from some, you know, back east down in Texas, you know, looks at him as a head coach candidate, you know, after this season. Will he go? I don't know. But he's going to be a name that's going to generate a lot of discussion because he, he was really good at UTSA and that's carried right over to Oregon. Bonix was pretty darn special last year until he got hurt. You talked about his completion percentage and the fact that uh, they've been able to keep his jersey clean early on the season. Are there some ways that Bo Nix's game has continued to to evolve during his time there at Oregon? Um, well, I, I I threw out the sixty five percent. It was wrong. It's seventy seven percent completion percentage. Okay, so okay. He's 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 off to uh, a crazy start and could set the conference record if if. Uh, a guy like Shooter Sanders doesn't beat him to it. Um, Caleb Williams is also on that at that rate too, from a, from a percentage standpoint. But uh, I asked Bo a couple times during fall camp, um, during spring ball, just kind of like, what are you focusing on to improve? Because you were already really good last season, and every single time he brought, I brought it up to him, it was always just, I want to make my consistent, I, I want to improve my consistency, you know. I, he, he talked about a lot about how at times during the season he was playing at an elite level where maybe he was one of two or three of the best quarterbacks in the country. And so his focus has been, I want to get to that level, but where it's the entire length of the season um, instead of it, you know, being good, good, elite, elite, back to good, good. Um, his command of, of not putting the ball in jeopardy is, is really good. He's had one play all through the first three games of the season where he threw a pass or he made a run or what have you. Uh, and you're like, Oh, that could get loose. That could, that could get, you know, interceptor. That could be a fumble or wow. That was risky. Don't do that again. He's only had one of those uh, for the, for, through the first three games. So he, he, he doesn't make mistakes. His decision-making is pretty good. Uh, his accuracy is, is really good. Um, and I, I think probably to answer your question, long-winded one, um, it, he doesn't force things. And, he Oregon's running back Bucky Irving is second on the team in receptions. And a big reason for that is because he makes his quick decisions. Okay. First target, not open. Second target, not open. He immediately hits Bucky Irving in the flat for a, you know, a short pass, but it turns into four five, six, sometimes even 10 or 12 yards. Uh, he is able to progress through his progressions really fast and then find his, his safety valve and get it to him. Um, he also called tight end Patrick Herbert, you know, one of his most reliable guys as well. So I, I think it's just, you know, Bo Nix at Auburn was considered a, a wild, wild west quarterback, slinging, taking a bunch of risks. He doesn't he doesn't take risks at Oregon. Uh, he, he is very methodical of what he does. You mentioned Christian Gonzalez earlier. Once again, 
the Oregon secondary features uh, Colorado transfer Nico Reed is part of the defensive backfield there. We talked a little bit about him on your podcast. Phil, Colorado fans in terms of uh, what, what, how much they can expect to see Nico out there on Saturday. Yeah, Nico uh, definitely plays, but he's not going to be a starter, or at least he hasn't been the first three games of, of this season. Um, he plays a lot, what's called the star position. It's the nickelback spot for Oregon and the slot for corner. Um, he's he's bounced around between nickel. He's played corner, just the true corner spot. Um, he's also had a couple reps at you know safety at times um, during fall camp that he talked about. So uh, he's going to be relied on. He plays probably you know about a third of the snaps defensively at his position, and some of that is dictated by down and distance or the opponent or, or matchup. But knowing what Colorado has at receiver, um, this coming weekend, I, I imagine Colorado fans will see him on the field a little bit more than, than normal. Um, but that that's a room that's just had a lot of talent come in. Um, they've also had some guys climb up the ladder from a developmental standpoint. Jalil Florence is a guy that that plays the same position as Nico um, at star and also just at the regular corner position. Um, and he has surpassed two upperclassmen on this team. He's a, Jalil Florence is a sophomore. Tyreek Bridges, uh, Triquest Bridges, and Dante Manning played a ton last season for Oregon at corner opposite Christian Gonzalez. Bridges was viewed as probably a shoe in to start during fall camp, and he is playing minimal snaps, and that's because of Jaleel Florence's emergence. So Nico has been caught up in part of that, of Florence's emergence. So he he, he will play, but I don't think Duck, uh, Buff fans should expect him to be a starter. We're recording this on Tuesday evening, so I don't know how much of a deep dive you've done on Colorado yet, but I'm curious what you kind of view as the keys to this game from Oregon's perspective. I I think Colorado's run defense hasn't been the best at times. Um, So I I think I look at the lines. I look at, you know, what, what other teams have been able to do against Colorado. I see all the points that TCU scored week one. I see how Colorado state was able to move the football uh, and week in week three, um, what they did against Nebraska was pretty impressive week two, but you also have to wonder how good is Nebraska? They looked pretty bad. Um, I, so I think a key for Oregon is going to be running the football and then getting after, uh, Shredor Sanders at quarterbacks so offensively. I, I just wonder, does Colorado have the depth? Do they have the bodies to withstand the run game that Oregon has? They like to play smash mouth football at times. We've seen them, Last year, they did it a lot. They've done it a couple times this season where they get the ball at the 30-yard line and they basically run it every single time and they go all the way down the football field. They chew up seven minutes o'clock. They did it against uh, Hawaii in the, th- in the third quarter to basically just end the game um, there. They did it against BYU multiple times um, last season where they just took the wind out of the sails. They did it against UCLA as well. Uh, can Colorado stop that? And if you can, then we've got a we've got a really good game on our hands because uh, then that's going to force Oregon to you know open everything up and you know play you know a full brand of football. But if they can just run the football effectively, um, this could be a, a hard game for Colorado to stop. And I think that can be said for any team if if, if you can't stop the run. Uh, and then for me, it's it's you know defensively, how does how does Oregon match up with Trudeau Sanders? He is one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the country. Um, I don't know who expected that outside of the people inside the Colorado locker room um, to say that at the beginning of the season, but he certainly has backed it up. His drive 
against Colorado State to tie the game in regulation was phenomenal. Um, he takes hits. He's not afraid to take hits. He's tough. His vision is really good. Dan Lanning talked a lot of, of praise of Shadur Sanders of how he is a really good mobile quarterback to avoid pressure and doesn't look to run, but just uh, looks to run to avoid pressure so that he can keep his eyes downfield to find the open receiver uh, on a breakout play. Um, containing Shadur Sanders is going to be primary, you know, priority number one for this Oregon defense. Can they get to him? Can they sack him? Can they speed him up at all? Is that even possible? I don't know. He's a, I, I am blown away at how good he is at this level. I did not think he was going to be this good right away at the, at the FBS level. And it, it, it looks like he's been playing at this level for a long time. Um, so it's, it's, can you contain Shredder Sanders and, and limit his impact in this game? You're not going to stop him. He's too good of a quarterback, can you, but can you limit his damage? Yeah, I think we're all in for a treat with Bo Nix versus Shadour Sanders on Saturday. And I th- think we have a promising forecast up there in Eugene, right? Yeah, it's 72 and sunny. It's it's quite awesome. Uh, it's perfect fall football weather here in Eugene right now. Nice crisp mornings. And then the afternoon it warms up. And then uh, knock on wood right now, uh, there's no clouds in the sky. There's no rain forecasted. The rain does arrive next week, late in the week. So it looks like you're coming at a perfect time for, for Oregon football in the state of Oregon because uh, it's it's going to be perfect weather. For any Buffs fans that are traveling out there, what recommendations would you have just in terms of where to go and, and hang out pre and post game? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, they're a popular old school Oregon Ducks spot um, that I'm sure that Buff fans would be truly welcomed at is the cooler. It's a sports bar just off campus or just off the the road from the stadium. It's like one of the only bars though, that's around the stadium. So it's going to be packed. Um, I would go there pregame. I would also hit the fifth street market pregame. There's a lot of restaurants. There's a couple bars in that area. Um, there's some good food in that, in that area. That's kind of walkable. If you walk across the Willamette river through the Alton Baker park, which then gets you right to Austin stadium as well. That, that's a good spot to hit um, Oakway center, which is within walking distance. And when I mean walking distance, expect to walk, 20 minutes or so to the stadium. Um, but it's within walking distance Oakway center. They have some new uh, restaurants that are put in there as well. Um, they've got some bars. They've got a rooftop bar that maybe you could hit afterwards at the Hyatt hotel. Um, that's a really good spot as well. But yeah, it's. Austin is kind of a weird spot where you go around the most of these you know, colleges, uh, that you, you know, away games that you go and cover and you see all these cool party spots or you see these, you know, bar row right across the street from campus, you know, from the stadium or what have you. Oregon doesn't really have that. It's, it's really weird. Um, the stadium was originally built in just like a field gravel field. Uh, at one point it was just gravel parking all the way around it. They've never really built up businesses around the stadium. Um, it's just been, you know, like retail, uh, never put restaurants or bars around the stadium. It's just been office buildings or parking, or there's a big park next to it, a city park, the biggest city park in the area. Um, so it, it's a unique spot. So you either have to tailgate or you have to be prepared to walk about 20 minutes. You know, if, if you're not going to, if you want to like experience some kind of food bar scene before the game or after the game. And I can say having covered games at every Pac-12 stadium, 
the atmosphere in Autzen during the game is one of the best in the Pac-12, yes. and it would be in the argument to be number one. It is a fun place to go cover a football game, and I'm kind of bummed out. This is the last trip up there, yeah. but Matt, I appreciate you for taking time out to join the podcast. I'm looking forward to seeing you and Eric up there in the press box on Saturday. Absolutely, and I, I think if you're coming here for a game for Colorado, you've picked the perfect time to come. There's going to be a stripe out that this, they've never done this before. We'll see if it works. I don't have a lot of faith in it, but uh, they're supposed to do a stripe out. It's a sold out game. They've added standing room only tickets. They haven't done that in a really long time, so it's going to be packed. They're trying to get to the you know stadium capacity record. And last weekend against Hawaii, it felt different. Just the energy around the stadium, like you were talking about, and it was just Hawaii. And uh, I never would have thought this even four months ago, but a lot of people are, are excited for this game, Oregon versus Colorado. Uh, it has a lot of similar vibes of when a USC comes to town or when a Washington comes to town, a big game. Everyone's excited for it. It's in the middle of the day. Uh, I, I expect a, a, one of the better Austin experiences I've had, and I've been to 300 of them. Uh, if, if not more, uh, coming on Saturday. Awesome, Matt. Thanks again for joining us, and thanks everybody out there for tuning in.